This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome to Mother. No, it's Mother. Welcome to Mother, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences. We're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way you never have before, but have always needed. It's time we rewrite the Mud Her Code. Well, hello and welcome to the podcast today. I am super excited to have a guest and we have with us today, Jessica Jackson. So I'm going to say a couple things just to kind of get the ball rolling, but you know, much better to hear from her. But I recently met Jessica Jackson because she is the founder of Thriving in Motherhood podcast. She's the host of that podcast. And I highly, highly recommend tuning into it. I've listened to many episodes and they're amazing. You're doing such a beautiful job with this podcast because what I love about it is it's very grounded. There's such practical, like apply right now you know, things that you can do in your life as well as like visionary. And I, I know we'll get into more of that and really how to make mothering more than just surviving, but thriving in it. So that's what the podcast does. You also have the Soaring Mother Summit, which I get to be a part of, and I'm uh, super excited about that, but that's a beautiful offering that you have. And we'll hear more about that. And you have a planner and other things to really support moms. But then to say a little bit about you, you're a homeschooling mother. You have this business of four. Let's just throw that in there. <laughs> I got to hear about that because I have two and I, I just have never been able to imagine having more than that, but you do it. And I think it's amazing. So, you know, bringing out the balance between running a household, creating a strong family culture, which I'd love to get into working on your own projects and keeping life happening, but keeping yourself happening. And that's some of what I know we want to get into today. So without further ado, let's hear more from you, Jessica, and we'll get the ball rolling. All right. Well, thank you so much. I am so excited to be here because I love what you do. I mean, your very first episode on this podcast is about creating vision in motherhood. And so I just love how you support women and mothers in all different seasons of, of life. So when I thank became you. a mom, like nine years ago now, so not as seasoned as you, but a little bit of practice, I just really wanted to love it. Like I, I wanted to be home with my kids. It was the dream. And I struggled so much. It was so hard, right? Like everybody understands this, but like, it was really hard for me. And I think now I know I probably had postpartum depression and, and anxiety and things like that, but I had no clue at the time we had just moved across the country. My husband started grad school. We didn't have a car that worked. So I was in a cinder block little apartment with my daughter and we didn't know anybody. And then soon we moved to Kansas, you know, we moved for the summer for summer work. We moved back to a new place. We were moving all the time. And during these first two years, I just floundered. I mean, honestly, like I never got really good traction. And I had a friend come visit me one time when we were, when we were doing our stint in Kansas city for the summer. And she swept the floor after our, we ate, our kids ate breakfast. She had her little daughter. And I was like, is, is that what moms are supposed to do? Are moms supposed to sweep the floor? I had no idea. I guess I could sweep the floor. Like I had no clue what I was supposed to be doing. I, I was very successful as a student. I was a very good teacher. No clue at this motherhood thing. So when my second son was born, my daughter had just turned two and I ended up getting very, very sick with something called C. diff. I contracted it at the hospital and 
And it was very, very serious. I ended up going back two weeks postpartum with my newborn to nurse with me fighting for my life. Wow. And it was a very, very hard season. But during that time, I just realized like, okay, I have two kids. I want to live. I want to live again. And so that's where I became very focused and very serious about figuring out what I wanted motherhood to look like. And the way that I started was looking at every single planner on the face of the planet, because I figured there had to be a way to like take all of these like things in my head and put it on paper and make it happen. Like there just had to be something. And so while I'm like literally dying, trying to stay alive, I'm coping when I wasn't so sick that I was just like sleeping. I kind of got out of that, like just sleeping in the hospital phase. But when I got home and I'm trying to recover and nurse my baby and, you know, other people are taking care of my two-year-old, I'm like scrolling on my phone, looking at every single planner option. And I was like, but that doesn't quite work. It doesn't quite work. It doesn't quite work. There's more thoughts. So what I ended up doing is spending three years creating this planner to help me create my vision for motherhood and then bring it forward every single day because I knew that that was a missing piece for me. Yeah. And so that's kind of where things started for me and where I started to get some traction on like owning my motherhood, not just like mm. existing in it and letting yeah. it happen to me. Or letting it happen to you. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Keep going. That's great. Yeah. And we talk about like the three pillars of thriving on my podcast, but that's where the first pillar of vision came from. Just this idea for me, like that's my personal, like, this is why you need a vision because otherwise you just don't know what to do. <laughs> like, no. Well, and you might like have an idea or a list of things to do, or you, you see, and it becomes a list or even goals, but without vision, like it's, they're not as fulfilling and no. you might even check things off every day and, and, and plan, but the vision gives it life. It gives it the well, substance ownership. and the reason. Yeah. yeah and ownership. And it, yeah. Ownership. Love because that. otherwise it's just like, that's where, that's why you're a victim, right? Cause you have to do all these things. You don't even want to do it. Right. And then part of it too, like that vision also is just like, what do we love? You know, you mentioned like a strong family culture, you know, for us, that means we started cargo biking. Like I have a huge bike, orange bike with a big bucket on it. And I throw my kids into it. And because I love that idea. That seemed like a cool thing to me Or we're always building things or making projects. And, And that was part of my vision too. So yeah, so that was kind of the building blocks. We moved to Connecticut when my husband finished grad school. Now we had three kids in tow and I know that it just keeps going. And we, during that time I had followed all these like minimalist moms that are like declutter, 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 and you'll have a clean house. And I was like, I have gotten rid of lots of stuff here, but this house still is not clean. I don't know what you guys are talking about. And that's where I understood the, this concept of structure. Like we need to have things that are happening every day to keep the household running smoothly, right? Like you can't just have not lots of stuff. You need to pick up your house and there needs to be homes for things. And there needs to be training for the kids and And we need to know when we're doing things. And so that's where the second pillar structure came in. You know, once I had vision, now I still had fires I was putting all day long and I had to learn how to structure things. So there weren't so many fires. That's a structure pillar. But as we're in Connecticut now, and I've got kind of these two pillars and my life looks like it's supposed to, and the days are running pretty smoothly and I'm dying inside. And I remember calling my friend saying like, my life looks like I want it to, but I'm just checking off the boxes and there's no joy. She's like, well, that's really sad. And I was like, well, thanks. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> like, right. that's not it's very identifying that emotion, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but what I realized there is I was missing my third pillar, which is the soul pillar. And that was mm. the mental, emotional, spiritual, physical health. And while I might have had bits and pieces of it, there were some serious gaps in my cognitive distortions, the way I was thinking about, you know, my life mm. and motherhood. And what was really neat is that once I was able to address those and put those into place, all of a sudden I like woke up to this amazing life that I felt like I, I, because I had that vision and because I had that structure, I kept doing, I never gave up, but it felt like I was pushing a boulder up the mountain every day. 
But when I was able to get that third soul pillar kind of propped up into place, my life became awesome. And I woke up and I was so glad that I had never given up, that I had never stopped trying to make this happen. So that is kind of the story of where these three pillars came up and where my motherhood journey began. I want to hear more about them, Jessica, but thank you. And what I love is how they emerged from you and your experience, right? This wasn't like, oh, I'm off on the side, like observing mothers or trying to act like I have it all figured out and here's the, the recipe, right? But, you know, here's what I figured out for myself because I got, so there was something that was allowing you to go, or at least moments to go inside yourself and see what you wanted or needed or, you know, and then you made it happen, which I think in itself is a good message to people, but you know, to mothers, right? Like to follow that, that intuition and not say like, oh, well, that woman that's sweeping the floor, like, that's what I should do. Okay. I'll just start sweeping the floor. Like, you know, she seems happy. I don't know. (laughs) And we're looking outside ourselves, but this sounds like very much you continually going inside and looking at what was going to work for you. And then I'm just going to say, assuming and deciding it's going to work for your family like this, you know, I'm going to lead the way in in our family culture. And we can talk more about that. Then we'll include everybody, you know, but this ties to something I feel really strongly about that. I think moms are the quality control in the family. Like we do hold more of the being. And if we're satisfied, everyone else will be, right? And so if I get myself in line and with these three pillars, it sounds like it's a beautiful structure to help do that. Everyone's going to benefit, right? But oh, it, absolutely. I love that it's so like you centered, but serves everyone. So I just said a lot. Does that resonate with you and how, you yes. know, how does that strike you? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, so each of these pillars has an identity and the identity of the structure pillar is that you're the leader, you're the leader in your home. And so a good leader in my mind, isn't a dictator. A good leader is looking at the strengths of everybody in your family. You are helping co-create a vision with them because when people, people buy into what they create. So this isn't me like, this is what I like, let's do it. You know, it's being very aware and in tune into my family. Like, so for example, my children love gardening. They have spent, well, I was sick with this. So we moved again to Georgia and I had my fourth pregnancy. And during this time, I'm very sick. I get very sick and I can't walk. So I pretty much not a very high functioning pregnant person. So during this time, my kids have pretty free reign and, and they use their time by trying to grow things in the Georgia mud in front of our house, which was okay. lovely and challenge. mildly successful. Yeah, a challenge, mildly successful, but they loved it so much. And they just love plants. They love herbs. They love gardening. They love foraging. So part of our vision this year, part of my vision as being this leader in my home, we just built a ginormous garden installation in our backyard. We have all of these garden beds. We have arches. Have I ever been a super successful gardener? Mildly, but it's something where we have this vision as a family that we love growing food, you know, all of us. And so we made that part of our family vision, part of our family culture to be outside in that garden all the time. And so that's just like one example of, of what I think a real leader is and in the creating the family culture, it's a very collaborative family experience, yeah. but it cannot come if mom's in a place of desperation. I am not mm. capable of doing those things when I am truly in that survival state, either survival because I don't have opinions or survival because we don't have the structure in place to be able to do anything extra or surviving because the way that I'm thinking has me depressed or anxious or just feeling like I can't and I'm not in control of my life. Yeah, so well said. Would love for you to say a little bit more about that. I kind of get, obviously the three pillars help, you know, 
move you away from that space and, you know, not live in, in some of those spaces of desperation and thriving, but can you say a little bit more, like, what are the things that support you in being in the space of vision and not desperation? Yeah. Well, I think first of all, is this idea that your family is only as strong as the weakest link. And oftentimes that can be us moms because we're so focused on other people and our families. And so I, I count too, like everybody in the family matters here. And that includes me. And so I think that's the first thing is just taking ownership that it's okay to take up space in your own home. It's okay to take up space in your family. It's okay to have needs and wants and desires. And that doesn't diminish anybody else, but if you're diminishing yourself, it's really hard to lean into and really embrace each individual person in your family. So you count. So I'd say that's, that's one thing. And not to be under, yeah, the you count, I think is sometimes one of the biggest hurdles for women you know, and moms to reorient to, right? Because we're such natural caregivers and, you know, that's reinforced by our culture and our families. And like, that's what we're supposed to do, like give to everybody. And you might fit in the picture a little bit or if at all, but you are reframing that. And again, underlining how important that is, right? Yeah. And I've only seen it add to my family. So for example, I love music. I love playing the ukulele. I love fiddling. So I'm doing that. I practice my instrument. I don't tell my kids what to do, but I also have instruments for them in the house. And lo and behold, because I love practicing, my daughter picks up ukuleles and figure out chords and sings, you know, it spreads. Or I loved woodworking when they were little. And when they were at the playground, I would grab a carving knife and some wood and I would carve little toys lo and behold, my kids love making toys and carving things all the time. And so mm. I feel like just like I, like this vision, I needed to explore. That's why we do the summit, right? Cause you need to explore. You need to, you need to expand your view of what's possible in motherhood. I feel like the more that I lean into my vision for myself, the things that I love, the more that it gives my kids ideas for what's possible for them and what do they love. Yes. And then it just kind of spreads. So I think as, instead of looking at it as something that takes away from your family, you have to look at is something that gives life to your family. Yeah. It gives life and models, right? We get so hung up on, Oh, just the things you said, like my kid has to learn an instrument, like, Oh, you know, I'm going to take them to woodworking class. Cause that'll be good for their brain development and their, you know, hand eye coordination or, you know, all the things versus wow. Just me being me, like how revolutionary, right? <laughs> well, in our time revolutionary, like I'm who they see every day. You know, I'm who I'm teaching without teaching all the time, right? So if I'm taking time for myself, one, they're learning that mom does things she enjoys and that's great. And oh, she's like really having fun doing that. (laughs) Maybe I'll try it. And, you know, it's, it's so beautiful. I I love this example, but, you know, particularly, you know, I'm not overthinking also like, well, I got to do things. So I model for my children. It's okay to have that in the back of your mind. Like this is good. You know, sometimes I do that with unloading the dishwasher or cleaning bathrooms. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It gets us over the hump sometimes to say like, well, I'm going to do this for myself because I'm modeling. I don't care. You know, if that's where you start, great. You know, you got to start somewhere in really valuing yourself. So yeah, keep going. So we were, well, I was just thinking too, like, I I want my kids to see like adulthood is awesome. (laughs) I've got three daughters. I want them to see motherhood is awesome. And I think it's one of the things where we do have lots of responsibility as moms, but we also have, you know, people talk about entrepreneurship. Like you have all this freedom. You can do whatever you want. You have all this time. And I'm like, you know, as moms, we do have responsibility, but we have the most flexibility of probably any role on the planet. We can structure our days however we want. We can bring whatever we want to into our lives. 
And so helping our kids learn life isn't just about getting stuff done and getting on screens, but life is so much broader and richer and includes really good relationships and activities and adventuring and games and outdoors. And like life is broad and beautiful and wonderful. Like we can do that together. Right. And and it yeah. doesn't have to just be mom time or kids time. Like this is also like, we're going to do this amazing life together. Yeah. Beautiful. Let's see. I wanted to hear a little bit more about how you, you know, you personally, and then how you support others in the soul pillar. I feel like pillar one and two are there kind of in service of pillar three, you know, not by, so we can have more of pillar three, but we also need some of pillar three to manifest one and two, but anyway, they all, they all go together. They all go together. I, I, yeah. And your session in the summit is so good on this. Cause you talk about the emotional intelligence. And so you are right in the soul pillar. I love how you talk about that. It's an incredible session. So, so much about the soul pillar for me is about the mind. Yeah. Becoming aware of the practices of like cognitive behavioral therapy. And there's so many people that have kind of spawned different models and things off this, but the idea of like your thoughts trigger your feelings, your feelings trigger, you know, your actions. So I'd say a huge part of the soul pillar is becoming aware of your own thoughts and are the thoughts that you're thinking helping you or are they hurting you? And are they creating the actions that you want or not and the results that you want in your life or not? Because I think a lot of our suffering comes from our thoughts. Like I have hard pregnancies, like really hard pregnancies. I'm in extreme pain most of the time. I cannot walk. I cannot sleep well. I cannot move. I shuffle barely and I'm, or I'm and throwing up all the time. I'm very sick. And so when I was pregnant with my third child, I was the epitome of complete miserable. Like I did not think I could, I mean, I tried, but it just consumed me. I felt like I couldn't get squeezed anymore. Like it was just so hard. And so for my fourth pregnancy, I spent a lot of time mentally figuring out like training and preparing for being able to have a thriving mindset, even in survival seasons. And it was a night and day difference. So one of the big things was just learning to focus my mind by asking questions during the day. And I had a lot of questions, but this was something that would stop me from spiraling. So my fourth pregnancy was my hardest of all. My body shut down the worst and I was as sick as I'd ever been, but mentally I was okay. And I didn't suffer through that pregnancy. It was a huge difference. And so, and I would attribute that to the work of the soul pillar. So there's a lot of questions, but my four favorite to start with, like if you're just new to this idea is how we end the day, because when we're tired at the end of the day, that's when we can think some really awful things about our life and ourselves and not want to wake up the next day and do it again. And so the four questions I love asking was actually I'll do five, five questions. I were like asking were what were my big wins today? So, and anything could be a big win for me when I was pregnant, it was, I laid on the bed and I cut snowflakes out with my three-year-old even though I had thrown up before and after, like that was a big win, right? So nothing exciting, but we really focus, especially in these survival seasons, but always who are you being? Because we can't always control what we can do, but we can show, we can decide who we're going to be. The next question is what was I grateful for today? That's a classic one. How did I see? I I don't want to minimize it, even though lots of people are getting hip to it. It's, it's a big, they're all big, but yeah. Yeah. It's super helpful. Yeah. The next one is how did I see the hand of the Lord in my life today? So if God's part of your life, I like to see that how he's a part of my life or your spiritual practice universe, whatever whatever. your spiritual practice. Yeah. yeah. And then what were some magic moments today? And often those are relationship based, you know, being able to see, because so often we get stuck with mom guilt, man, and it just drags us down. And what we can instead think of all of these, and it's like with other people, right? What you did or what you do or how you yelled at your child, all these mom guilt things. And instead focusing on magic moments, 
And then the fifth question was, what were some unhelpful thoughts that I had today and how can I change them? So constantly just being aware of those stories that I'm telling myself. So, and those things rewire your brain, like positive psychology has proven. I'm sure you know about this very, you know, a lot, right. But it it changes your brain. Yeah. And we need that rewiring. We need that practice, right? Because Mm -hmm. through our upbringing, through culture and, you know, repetitive, not so great messages or habits or behaviors or how we had to kind of, I'm going to call it survive just because there's a whole range of, of experiences we have in our, in our upbringings, but we're all like, you know, little beings trying to survive and we adapt roles, you know, we decide things about the world and what it can take and what we can do. So what I love about what you're talking about, Jessica, is these are like steps to rewire and transform or, you know, personally grow. And that's, you know, one of my big things is in thriving in motherhood is, is I love how you term it is we can grow up with our children, you know, these things that rewiring is, is you growing, you know, it's, it's you transforming, it's you imbuing yourself with different thoughts and positive ones where, you know, maybe there weren't as many of those. So I think this is a really critical piece. Now, are you saying you do this kind of right before you go to bed? Like what's your practice? What's your kind of practical practice? Like do you journal about this? Like so the, there's two, there's the planner that helps you create your vision, make it okay. reality. There's the journal that helps you ah, make the brain. That. I knew that, but I forgot. And yeah, that's fine. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. So, but the, the journal has these questions. So real life, I have four kids. I'm homeschooling. I'm managing a household. Do I journal every night? <laughs> Absolutely not. But because I've asked the questions for so long, I'll think them while I'm going to sleep. Like it's such, sure. I'll think them in the morning when I'm taking a shower, I'll do them in the morning when I'm doing my like scripture study, quiet time. And if I haven't done them in a while, I will catch myself starting to spiral into those unhelpful patterns mm. of thinking. Like it just happens. Life is hard. Yes. And so when I catch myself starting to think, go down, I pull it back out and I start making it a priority to write it back down again and get myself back on track. And I even discovered if I can do this once a week, my overall mood and energy goes way up. Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March, 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico. Zihuatanejo, meaning land of the goddess women, and coming to really take time for yourself, okay? And that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go? It's a five and a half day retreat getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. 
It's not for everyone. I will be honest, you know, if the idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up. But now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. Oh, 100%. And what I want to underline in that is, is sometimes I think we have a misconception that, oh, you know, I do this for a while and then I'm fixed, you know, then it's done. And, you know, that's kind of the whole growth mindset or the concept of dedication that one of my mentors, Dr. Judith Wright and her evolating process of transformation, but a key factor is dedicating, getting that, you know, this is a lifelong journey. And I might shift that practice a little bit. I might, like you said, at first, it's probably really important to journal it, you know, as a new habit and understand how hard it is and challenging to start a new habit. And even as good as it is for us, you know, we still, we have to set up structures, you know, for a new habit like that, and then get that this keeps me healthy, right? This, this is like eating good food or exercise. Like this will be something I need to do lifelong. And that's a good thing, right? Instead of like, oh man, I thought I could just like do this for a little bit and then I'm good. Right. But well, and for me, it's exciting. It's like fun. It's, it's become fun to even discover, like when I discover a new thought that I've been thinking that wasn't helpful, I'm like, Whoa, that's amazing. Like new breakthrough. What can I do? Like, it's a fun adventure. I feel like it's the work of my life is constantly elevating my thoughts. I do too. And that, yeah, that new discovery, discovering new aspects of myself, you know, in Mm -hmm. through that it isn't. And that takes us again from just the surviving to the transformation. Like, yes, this keeps me sane, you know, keeps me from kind of slipping back into old habits. And there's those moments of new discovery, new frontiers within myself. Right. And that's like, so beautiful and key. Now, is this another thing that you would say, like, would you say like your kids see you're doing and they model in some way? Do you do this in some way as a family or, and I'm not saying you should or have to, I'm now I'm just curious. Yeah. This is something where we try and bring it around the dinner table because my kids are nine, seven, four, and two. It has not become an integral part of all their lives yet. <laughs> As my oldest, my oldest is just starting to read and write, but still where it's hard. So it's something that I definitely want to equip them with. Cause I didn't have these skills when I was an adult, yeah. you know, became an adult. So it's something we're going to work towards, but they're still pretty little. That's great. But I also truly hold that whether they're seeing you explicitly do it or not, they feel it, <laughs> you know, it's in your family atmosphere, you know, this, they don't have to like know and see everything, but 
overtly seeing the ways you take care of yourself and, you know, ones that are done behind closed doors are, are all just as powerful, I believe, because of the whole family system, right? You all are connected and you have a complex family system with, you know, six of you. You know, that's a lot of dynamics, a lot of interaction. So this is going to be totally out of curiosity for me. As I said, I'm a mother of two. And that seemed like a lot. Like <laughs> my second child, I was like, oh my God, I don't think I can do this. Like literally the first two months I was like, I, I, I really like, I remember hitting this point, like at about two months, like, okay, maybe I can do this. Like maybe this is possible. So you're juggling a lot with four and, you know, dynamics amongst each other and all of that. And I don't know, you know, what you might want to say about that, but I'd, I'd love to hear just kind of a window into, you know, parenting, mothering, the, being a family of six. Well, first of all, I will say one of the thoughts I uncovered last week was I don't have to keep proving to myself that I can do this. I've been doing this for a long time now because yes. <laughs> I, I caught myself feeling like I, I have to prove something. I don't No. but basically we've been very intentional with the moment we bring a child home from the hospital. And even before they're born, we tell them we're best friends. This is your best friend. And so that's a dialogue that we have from day one with all of our kids. Even when I had my two-year-old and my newborn, your best friends were best friends. And they have grown into that. That has been true. They are all best friends. So we do have that. I've, I've tried to unpack sometimes my husband and I have this in our vows, like the, or that we'll be best friends, but that takes work, right? Like we kind of have ideas about that. Can you and I'm going to have you keep going, but it's a big one and important. Like some people just think that's like, oh, be best friends. We'll just be nice to each other all the time. Can you say a little yeah. bit about what best friends means to your family? Yep. Our kids have lots of time together. So we have a very intentional, like there's many reasons why we homeschool, but one of them is so that our kids have lots of time together to create those friendships. And so they are doing, I think one of the best ways to build friendships is by doing things together. They are doing things together all day long. They are the most creative bunch of kids I have ever met. Nothing mm. in our house can be safe. It is going to be rebuilt into something else. It's going to be a tree house, a coal mine, a horse, an elephant ride, like you name it, they are going to create it with whatever they can find in our house. And so I think just really being open to kids doing things together, giving them time and space for that resources to do that. Again, it's all free. They're just foraging, but not being so tight to our house has to look perfect all the time, right? Like giving them space to have those experiences. The other thing we do is we read lots of stories together and they listen to mm. lots of stories together. Mm. So we have this shared culture of, first of all, I read to them all the time, but every day they listen to an audiobook together. If you want to know, this is where I get my quiet time in <laughs> or my work mm -hmm. or my nap. There's a real window. Listen to an audiobook every day. So they have this whole other universe that they've created amongst the four of themselves that involves all of these literary characters that are a part of the fabric of their, of the relationship. So there's that. The other thing we talk about, cause the other part of relationships that are hard is the, when things aren't going well, right. When there's buddy yeah. heads and whatever. And so one of the things we talk about with our kids all the time is, are you attacking a person or solving a problem? And that is nice. that we use even at a young age that helps, right? Because a lot of the things yeah. that break down our friendships is when we start attacking each other. And that does not mean they've learned that skill yet, but that is what we help them navigate. That's awesome. Just to be able to separate out and, and distinguish and take ownership and responsibility, right? And yeah. teaching them that at a, at a really young age in relationship is so valuable. Remind me how old your oldest is? Nine? Almost nine. Almost nine. October. Okay. So when you do family listening time, like, is it, you know, the kids listen to something, do they listen to it separately or they all listen to 
all the together same story together okay all together and they're moving it's on a little kindle it's the only thing we have a screen for they don't even use the screen but they carry it around with them and it can be inside outside mm-hmm. all around and they're doing something always creative while they're listening they do not sit still ever yeah that's great and now was homeschooling something you like always thought you wanted to do was this a pandemic thing you know how did you decide like yeah this is what we're going to do as a family and yeah. I'm going to lead the way. Okay. Well, uh, when I was eight, I walked into a family's house and they were homeschoolers and I saw their homeschool room and I thought, mom, this is what I want to do. And she said, absolutely not. You're going to school. And we were homeschooled. Like I was homeschooled three years, once in middle school and once in high school, cause we were living internationally, but it was like survival schooling, not amazing. And so when I became a mom though, and I was in that period with, I, I had the two kids and I was trying to figure yeah. out my vision. I had this thought that I could read the homeschooling books and I could skip all the homeschooling stuff and just read that little section they have about household management because I thought that homeschoolers have to do everything I have to do plus school. So they must have some secrets that I don't know. So I started doing that. And then eventually I started reading more of the, like the other parts of the book. And then I was like, oh, this sounds really interesting. And so I really, I spent as my daughter was like two to four spent, dove really deep into all things homeschooling. And that became part of the fabric of what I wanted my family culture to be and what we want our vision to be. So we were, we had already been way into it before the pandemic, which was such a gift for our family. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you wouldn't even have known, you know, no. it's not like, well, this will be good if there's ever a pandemic too. Cause oh yeah, yeah. well, that, now we've got that as well, but no, it very yeah. much was, it very much was this idea of, I wanted 18 years is short. Yeah. Like I feel my, like I'm almost halfway through with the time my daughter will be in my home probably. And it felt really long during that first two years, but now it's just going so fast. Yes. And so I want to be there for it. You know, they're going to be best friends, but I need time with them. I want time with them too. And I want us to be able to just build this great experiential learning life together. So it's yeah. here to stay. Well, I love it. And I think them having this solid foundation and working relationships, it's very Alfred Adler-esque, you know, of starting with mom and then, you know, that relationship and, and dad, then it's our job to like, start, you know, showing them how to have that in the world, but then doing that within your family structure really strongly, I can really, you know, get the value of that. So then, you know, obviously they're going to go out into the world and we're training them to be independent you know, strong, healthy little beings, you know, they have that foundation and skills to go do that. I don't know if that was part of, you know, the thinking in this or, cause I think Absolutely. some people, and I, I I'll admit I've had it. It's like, well, how do you socialize? Like, how do the kids like learn to socialize with other kids if they're homeschool? Because that's one of the big advantages of going to school is you have to like, you know, deal with school. So how do you navigate that aspect? Yeah. Well, our kids do see other kids. We have a church community yeah, that they sure. spend ties with, and you know, my daughter goes to violin lessons and, and so they do navigate that. But one of the things is, you know, I had a horror, I went to 10 schools growing up. So I was constantly oh being gosh. the new kid in all these schools. And I felt like those kids were not helping me have social skills. They're just mean sometimes. So I kind of figure, why don't we just help model for our kids, healthy relationships, help them learn what healthy relationships are, help them practice because I mean, you, and you can do this, whether they're in homeschool or public school or whatever your situation is, but, and then, you know, as we're with people, we practice that and we role play that and we try and get better at that so that they are ready when they're adults, but ready right now. Like we want them to be ready now and yeah. equip them right now. So it's something that we're intentional about as opposed to maybe just feeling like if we throw them in with kids, their age, then 
they'll be socialized that's, and they'll be that's fine. something that's going to yeah. be good for them. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. so true. It's so true. I think sometimes well, never say I'm immune to any of this. We kind of want to send our kids to school and have them like, like, let them take care of it. You know, let the well, teachers yeah, and, and just totally. kind of assume like, but then we don't take responsibility. Are they getting it there? Is it like what we, you know, what we aspire well, to? And-, and having been a teacher, I have endless empathy and compassion for teachers, but there's a lot of kids. There's a lot going on. And I know like when I was teaching, I was taking care of the kids that had the loud, that were the loudest, that had the biggest problems that we're, you know, and yes. so, and that's just the reality of having one adult with a whole bunch of kids and everyone's doing their best, but it's a different oh, dynamic. I, I love it. Well, and I think challenging, you know, this is one of the myths that I talk about and, you know, myths around mothering is, you know, looking outside of ourselves for the answers or like, oh, this, all the people around me, that's how they do it. So it must be the right way to do it. So uh, everybody sends their kids to school or, you know, everybody, you know, does sweeps the floor, you know, cause we see a couple <laughs> sweep the floor, but when you're doing something that isn't the norm, you're setting yourself up for possibly like criticism and things like that. And I, you know, I had, I home birthed, you know, and that was unusual, right. That wasn't the norm. And wow. Well, I, I mean, I had to take care of myself around. Some people thought that was amazing and great. And others were like, that's like the most, I had someone say to me like, that's the most selfish thing I've ever heard. And I was like, you know, so, but I think that's where we need that pillar, you know, the soul pillar, again, I'm going to talk about that you talk about where I need some skills emotionally to, you know, be willing to do something different because it feels right to me and it's well, and my choice that, and how I'm doing it. Yeah. That and vision for me, it's like, yes. I am very confident in this vision. I feel like I co-created it with God. I feel like it, you know, in my husband and my family. And I really believe each one of us needs to have a totally unique life because we all have different family circumstances. We all have different missions to fulfill. We all have different challenges in our, you know, individually and with our children and, mm-hmm. and skill and like great things about us too. So I think that until we can give each other that grace as well of owning, like yeah. we're going to be unique. They're going to be unique. Let's cheer each other on. Let's stop trying to tear each other down. Let's just celebrate that we're doing something different. And then let's pull from the best, right? Because exploring is essential. I mean, for me, like seeing how other moms are doing things, that is so important. And then once mm-hmm. I gather all of this data, then I need to go back in and say, yes. okay, it's gotta be me. What matters to me? What do I need to parse out? Yeah. What did I like about what they did? What, you know, what doesn't fit for me, mm-hmm. you know, and that's something I also, when I'm helping people s- support them in writing a vision, you know, going back to our family of origin, cause that's where all that wiring happened, you know, and there were probably positive things about being in 10 schools and challenges. So in my vision, you know, and how I'm going to do it, but not just out of reactivity, not like, well, I'm going to not do that. You know, I think sometimes, and that's a big place vision really helps is get us out of that. Like just not doing it, how my family did it or not doing it, how others are, but well, I might not like that part, but I like this and bringing it together in a vision. So, Oh, I, I love that. that. Really I don't, I don't, yeah. I have not thought of it that way before. I like that. Oh, good. Well, we're adding to it. Next. So I want you to talk a little bit about the Soaring Mother Summit, which this is going to air after it, but people will still be able to access it. Right. So when, whenever this yeah. show drops, like it may not be able to get it live, but we'll have access to it. So I'm going to have you talk about that and how people can find you and get a hold of you. And then I have one more question. Okay. So thriving in motherhood podcast.com. That's my hub. Everything will be there. I'm also on Instagram at thriving in motherhood.podcast, but you can access the thing planner, journal, summit, podcast, any other, you know, courses that I sell are all there. 
Right. And just say a little bit about the actual Soaring Mother Summit, because this is, is this your second one or third? Yes. Or what, this is we... a, yeah, this is the second one. So it is 30 women that I've gathered together that all care just like you about moms, right? And we all just come together with this hope of helping moms that feel like they might be surviving, but they want to soar. They want to love motherhood. They want to be able to enjoy their life. And so we come together to do what we've been talking about here of just explore together, get lots of different ideas of what's possible in motherhood to really expand our vision of what's possible and then give you space then to kind of whittle down and decide what do you want to do? And then on the fourth day, I will teach a class about how to bring that into your everyday life. Like how do you start nice. making this vision a reality? So that is really the purpose of the summit. It's beautiful. What a beautiful offering and gift to moms. And I hope everybody listening shares it, goes to it and does it because there's going to be both, like you said, practical and visionary and like the whole, all the pillars are represented, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's amazing. Wonderful. So last question is, so, you know, my platform or, you know, kind of the summary of what I do is called rewriting the mother code. So what does rewriting the mother code mean to you? Interesting question. For me, I think it comes down to a com, you know, the conglomeration of everything we've talked about, but it's this idea that the negative, there's so much negativity in the world surrounding motherhood. Like the social mm -hmm. norm, I think around motherhood is very negative as you are well aware, you know, just a mom victim burnout, you know, all of those type words, hot mess mom I've heard, which I'm like, I don't even know where that came from. But for me, it's raising an entire generation, us and the generation forward, breaking this cycle and instead in raising powerful, strong women who are ready to go forward and do the work that they're here to do and are ready to build strong families, helping empower their children to go to the work that they need to do, because we need a world that is full of people that are capable of being a force for good. So I love the work you're doing, but that's what it means to me. Yeah. Oh, well, that means a lot to me or you just reflected and distilled and summarized it uh, beautifully for you. So thank you. These are like little gifts to me and everybody says something a little different, but always so beautiful. And I love yours. Love, love, love it. Thank you so much, Jessica, for this morning and being together and can't wait for my listeners to hear you and find you. Well, thank you. And thank you for having me on your show. And thank you for doing an awesome session on the Soaring Mother Summit. Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Mother. Wait, no, subscribe to Mother. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com. I'll see you next time.